1: Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 74 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advance Media. They were out in Cleveland, Ohio over Thanksgiving weekend to watch the Giants win again. Six in a row now, eight and three on the season. The Giants sit with the fifth seed in the NFC postseason as we head into week 13 and the fourth best overall record in the NFL, so Giants fans are feeling pretty good right now. James, we'll start with you. I mean, that game against the Browns on Sunday, as we quickly touch on it, and then we'll get into some fact or fiction today. That game against the Browns was—you know—they never lost control, but they never really pulled away until the end. It was kind of a typical Giants game for this year, but again, the result is the same—they win.
0: Definitely, you know, it's never really pretty with this Giants team. They still, in my opinion, have significant flaws that I think could really come to hurt them down the stretch. But for now, six straight wins, they do just enough to win every week. And I mean they're eight and three, and you really can't argue with that, especially after back-to-back six and ten seasons, uh, at seven and nine the year before then. So this is where the Giants are. I think that people sit around, they wait for the offensive breakout, and I don't know if it's gonna happen, but this is the team. They're winning, they're eight and three. They're in a stranglehold on a playoff position in the NFC, and they've got a lot to look forward to, but these next five games are going to be very tough.
1: They will be, and it starts in Pittsburgh on Sunday, then Dallas, and uh, Dan, I've heard some people say the Giants season you know, really starts now compared to where it was before, and you know, when you think about the Giants and where they are, have we learned what they are yet, or do you think we're going to find that out over these next five weeks?
2: Uh, well, I think we're gonna find it out, but at the same time, I don't really know if I agree that the season starts because they they've got a pretty good head start if that's the case. I mean, eight and three is you know as, as good as you probably could have hoped. I mean, even if you look back and really want to get picky, obviously they kind of blew that Redskins game, but they've won every other close game, and again, I don't think coming from two, six, and ten seasons, uh, anyone can just take eight, and three for granted. They've positioned themselves uh, in a great spot here for this closing stretch. But, yeah, again, I mean, these five games definitely are going to define the season. Uh, you know, I think you could see them going anywhere from, you know, I mean, they could be stuck in eight wins. I mean, these are five losable games, but, hey, they could get, you know, maybe to 12 wins if, if things continue to break right for them. I think it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I think, again, for fans, this is kind of what you want. You want your team to be in the hunt. You want your team to be playing for something in December. And it, it, the stakes really don't get much higher than these games coming up. you get got a bunch of teams that – are either, you know, leading their division so they're fighting for seeding or teams that are going to be fighting the Giants, you know, straight up for playoff spots. So, uh I think you definitely going to learn a lot about the team in the next 5 weeks and it is interesting that at 8 and 3 and, you know, 11 games into the season we still don't fully know what to make of this team or maybe we're just kind of denying that they kind of are what they are and and we're waiting for an offensive uh explosion that just isn't going to come, but uh, like I said, bottom line is 8 and 3, they couldn't be really in a better spot heading into this tough stretch.
1: Yeah, it's true. And we, we do nitpick, right? I mean, the Giants are the fourth best overall record in the National Football League. I think if you told fans before the season that would be the case heading into December, I don't think you know the nitpicking would, would be really be important because that's, that's what would matter. Let's, let's play some fact or fiction here. We'll start, James, we'll start with you. Uh, we'll go to Dan then. Fact or fiction on all these different questions we have? But we'll start with the offense because Dan just brought it up. So throw this one at you. Fact or fiction, the Giants will score more than 30 points in a game before the season ends. They have not done that this year. James? I will say fact. I think they will
0: eventually... I mean, I just think eventually they're, they're going to score 30 points. I mean, they, they had 27 a couple of times this year. It just seems to me that, you know, especially since their defense is, is forcing turnovers and, you know, can also add points. So if, that, if you can kind of cheat a little bit and say that, you know, a defensive score could help them up or they would get set up with a short field... I, I, look, I, I think eventually most NFL offenses that can walk and chew gum at the same time, they score 30 points once. So, yeah, I think fact, they will score 30 points. I don't think they're going to score average 30 points over the next five games, but I think one time
1: they will hit the magic number. Dan, for you, fact or fiction on that? Will they get over third? I know you wrote about the Giants' offense and, and what they have to do to break out of this and, and get you know further towards their potential on Monday. But do you think they will do that before the season ends?
2: absolutely not i think it's i mean again we've seen 11 games i I don't see any reason to think it's suddenly going to click against better competition i mean they just went to cleveland the second to worst defense in the league and really you know really mounted two scoring drives they got the touchdown return by jpp and they got the fumble uh, recovery deep in brown's territory to set up another touchdown so hey i mean again those points still count they ended up with 27 uh, but i think when you play against better offenses that aren't quite as inept as the bears and the the Browns of the world, it's going to be a little tougher for the defense to just take over games like that. And this offense, I mean, again, at some point you have to just accept it is what it is. I mean, I've, some fans are are really optimistic and really think Ben McAdoo is playing chess and say, well, maybe he's just holding, uh, you know, his his really interesting offensive game plans for these final five games. Well, that would be, be wonderful if that's the case. It would also be extremely risky and, and you know, borderline stupid to do that considering <laughs> how tight these games have been and how how so many of them could have gone the other way? So I don't think you'd want to be holding anything in reserve when you're, you know, you're scrapping out one-point wins and two-point wins. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think this offense, uh, you know, as I wrote on Monday, uh, has just fallen into a kind of a, a stunningly predictable uh, pattern where they run the same formation with the same personnel pretty much every play. Uh, you know, defenses have uh, far too easy of a time game planning against them. I mean, of these five games, three of these teams are in the top ten in in, uh, scoring and points allowed. So I I don't really see a recipe for, you know, these are the teams that this offense is finally going to break out against. I don't know if it's a
0: breakout. I just think at some point, the Giants offense, everything Dan has said is absolutely right. They are mediocre, and I I think fans are are really kind of straining the grasp onto something if they think that, you know, Ben McAdoo's got this you know, big binder of awesome football plays that he's just going to throw out there in a stretch run, some diabolical scheme. But I just think they, they do have, I mean, Eli Manning, and they have Odell Be- I mean, they have playmakers. So I just think that the law of averages suggests that at some point they're going to stumble into a 30-point game, right? I mean, I, I just, I find it, I, as bad as this offense has been this year, I just find it really hard to believe that they're going to go 16 games without hitting 30 points. So that's I, I, everything Dan said is correct, but I just think they're going to stumble into it at some point, I think, over the next five games.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and, and Dan, I, I agree with you, and I'll, I'll take the borderline off. He, he's, he's stupid if he has better plays and has different schemes that he's not using, and I don't think Ben McAdoo stupid. So <laughs> I would tend to believe that it's just they're they're not right now good enough My guess is they're not going to do it, but the way you laid it out, James, I mean, especially with a defensive score, it wouldn't shock me if they figured out a way to get to 31 in one of these games. But that leads us into our next one, because this goes hand in hand with it. Uh, Factor fiction, and we'll start with Dan on this one. The Giants will give up more than 30 points in a game before the season ends. They haven't done that yet either this year. Dan, factor fiction on that.
2: Uh, that's a tougher call. I'll say fact, but I mean, I don't think they're going to give up you know, 45 points and have some sort of, you know, debacle defensively, but with some of these offenses coming up, I wouldn't be shocked if a game gets into the low thirties. Like I actually think maybe this, this Steelers team could probably put up, you know, 30, 31 points again. I'm not, that's kind of, you know, toeing the line a little bit, but if you're going to say fact or fiction on that, I'll, I'll say fact. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, they've played some pretty bad offenses and the defense has played well. Um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to you know, completely shut down some of these offenses they have coming up. And again, if you could give up 30 points in a game, that's that's not a debacle of any stretch, but uh, I think that, yeah, I think it'll happen, uh, something in the low 30s in these last five games.
1: James, for you, fact or fiction on that one?
0: I think definitely fact. I mean, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Lions, even the Redskins, I think those are four offenses that could very easily hit 30 points. And not even because the Giants' defense is playing poorly. I, I just think they have playmakers. And I, I just think that one of these games down the stretch is going to be a shootout game. That's kind of why I think the Giants are going to score. I mean, I, I could see the game against the Cowboys in two weeks being like 35-30. I think the Lions game could end up being that as well. So I do think they'll give up 30 points at some point. But again, this defense... They give up so many big plays, but yet they've been able to hold scores down because they're so good in the red zone. Eventually, they're going to break on some of those big plays. They're going to get hit for touchdowns or they're going to start slipping in the red zone. So I will say fact, they give up 30 points over the final five games.
1: All right, as we talk about these final five games, I I think something that's been a a big thing for Giants fans over the past couple days has been trying to figure out what the Giants have to do to get in the playoffs now, right? Because they are really in a good spot in that five seed, even if they can't catch the Cowboys, for the NFC East, because of what's happened behind them, so they have a two-game lead on a whole bunch of teams that are six and five right now. So, fact or fiction on this one, James? The Giants only need to go two and three down the stretch. Two and three will make the playoffs. That would put the Giants at ten and six. I think fact. I think if, if they run the New York Times playoff
0: simulator and they get to ten wins, it seems like it's a ninety-three percent certainty. And I think the way I ran it, I I gave them the 10 wins by, if they beat Pittsburgh, which is an AFC game, which doesn't mean as much, and if they beat Detroit, which is not a division opponent. So I think if they, I mean, look, if you look at the standings, the Giants are in very good position compared to the rest of the NFC. So, and I think their, their schedule is tough, but it's not ridiculously tough compared to the rest. I mean, other teams have pretty formidable schedules as well, so... I think if they get to 10 wins, no matter how they draw it up, fact, they will make the playoffs. Don't know if it'll be good enough for the first wild card. Might need the second wild card. But I do think, fact, they will make the playoffs if they hit 10 wins.
1: Dan, fact or fiction, two and three gets it done?
2: Yeah, i say fact. I mean, I think 10 wins uh, in the NFC this year should should be enough. Uh, I mean, I guess – I mean, I haven't run all the uh, the simulations like the you know the computers can, but I guess if you were to get those two wins against maybe the Steelers and the Cowboys, and then lose the three games to the teams that are really closest to them as far as the playoff race, maybe things could break the wrong way. Uh, but no, I think two wins would be enough. Um, you know, I think Philly obviously took a big step back with the loss of the Packers, um, and yeah, just the fact that the rest of the NFC, there really aren't a lot of teams in contention for a wild card spot. So. Maybe you get the 10 and 6. I have a hard time seeing, uh, you know, a team like the Vikings or the Bucks, you know, doing any better than that. Um, you know, maybe things have come down the tiebreaker with the Vikings or something. But I think 2 and 3, uh, you're looking pretty good for a playoff spot.
1: All right, let's go to this one because this was a big conversation. Uh, during the game, I was, I was actually shocked at what I was seeing during the game. And I know, James, you wrote about it on Tuesday morning. We're doing this podcast on a Tuesday morning. It was when I saw Odell Beckham Jr., back to return punts against the Cleveland Browns. Now, obviously, you know, he's the type of athlete. If he does anything on a field, he probably could do it well, and he, he did. He ran one back. It was called back because of the penalty, so it didn't count. But obviously, it's pretty clear he could be a really good punt returner. He could probably be a really good anything on a, on a football field. But I was shocked just because of how important he is to this team to put him back there as a punt returner. A fact or fiction, James, that that is a good idea. Odell Beckham Jr. returning punts is a good idea. Now, we talked about the offense struggling. So, you know, if he can make a play, that would maybe change the game. But there's the risk versus reward there. I'm very conflicted on this. I think
0: on one hand, I know, I know what Dan's going to say. And it's an injury risk, definitely, you know, bad. I mean, if ever, like 96,000 Giants fans, well, that's an exaggeration, but multiple Giants fans have tweeted at both of us, Jason Seahorn, Jason Seahorn. But at the same time, I think Ben McAdoo is right. Every football play is a dangerous play. I mean, a punt's a little bit more dangerous because you've got all these bodies whizzing around at full speed. But, you know, Odell could get hurt just as easily running a 10-yard out route. I also, but I, I wonder how effective – yes, the Browns didn't have any time to really game plan for him, plus they're the Browns. What do they have to lose? Kicking the ball away. But I feel like if Beckham is the permanent punt returner, teams are going to make him fair catch or kick it out of bounds nine times out of ten. So I don't know how many times he'd actually get to touch the ball and make something happen. So I'm going to tepidly say fact just because you got to take a risk at some point, and he is a guy who can change the game back there. But I can definitely see why people would say fiction. It's, it's not a good idea. So I will tepidly say fact, but there's definitely a risk there. I just think Ben McAdoo has to weigh the risk of – do we put him back here and potentially break a game or do we potentially break our
1: season? Dan, how about for you? Cuz I was saying those Jason Seaman things to myself as well. I was I was flabbergasted that he was back there. Your thought on this?
2: Yeah, I mean, um as James knows, I'm adamantly fiction on this. I'm opposed to it. I'll put one qualifier in. I could live with it maybe in the playoffs or maybe in the fourth quarter of a close game. I mean, again, you're still I mean, my my issue clearly is the injury risk and I, I mean, you'd still be putting him at risk there, but at least uh, it would be situational, um, you know. Even if you just had to point back to fair catch in a key spot, because you certainly trust him more than Bobby Rainey or, or Dwayne Harris back there to do that. Uh, but no, I just don't see the upside. I mean, obviously, you know, he breaks the sixty-yard return for a touchdown, and right after I tweeted that I was against it, uh, but it doesn't really change my view. I mean, I know he's a phenomenal player, and, and uh, as Ben Mack just said, electric. I mean, the fact that you know he took one to the house doesn't surprise me. I mean, I understand the benefits of it. But at the same time, there's a reason why he isn't the everyday punt returner. I mean, it's not like they just discovered he's explosive with the ball in his the hands. There's a reason why they used Dwayne Harris back there, and it's because you really don't want to expose your best player to unnecessary hits, especially a guy who, I don't want to say he's fragile, but he tries to avoid hits as a receiver as much as possible. I mean, he, he goes down right away a lot, or, or he'll get out of bounds, and which is smart. I mean, you, again, you just, he's so valuable to this team. Minimizing the injury risk is is more important than anything. It's like Eli when people get on him for throwing the ball away. Well, I'd rather Eli throw the ball away than have Ryan Nassim coming in because you know Eli's on the sideline. Uh, so I, I understand that every play is a risk. I think that you know anecdotally it just feels like punt returns. You get ten guys you know screaming down the field forty yards at you. It's a little hard to protect yourself. And the thing that really kind of tips the scales in my opinion is he is a better punt returner than anybody they have. But the difference between him and, say, a Dwayne Harris as a punt returner is nowhere near as drastic as the difference between him and Dwayne Harris as a wide receiver. So if he gets hurt because he gives you a marginal advantage as a punt returner, I don't think that risk is worth it. If he gets hurt as a receiver, I mean, he's doing what he does and and things are going to happen. I just don't like the idea of exposing him to extra risks. Again, I understand the benefits, but... I wouldn't do it unless you really have a situation where, you know, you're, you know, you're down six in a playoff game or something like that in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And the thing that jumps out to me is or you have your regular punt returner back there, your Dwayne Harris, or, you know, every team has a Dwayne Harris. And, you know, that guy I think would be, you know, he, he gets it in terms of this is a fair catch. I really can't do anything with this. My thought, my worry, I guess, with Odell is he's going to try to make a play, right? Because he's right. back there for a reason. I just wonder if he's going to put himself in harm's way. And maybe make a situation worse when he doesn't have to. When a fair catch probably would be the wiser thing. But that that's going and, to be fun to watch the next few weeks if if McAdoo keeps going with it. Dan, go ahead.
2: And people use the Antonio Brown example. We're going to see it this week. You know, maybe the only receiver who could say he's better than Odell in the league is going to be back returning punts for the Steelers. I don't think that's smart either. It's, it's kind of, you know people kind of use that as a counterpoint to my stance. Well, you know, if, if Antonio Brown jumps off a bridge, you know what I mean? It's it's uh, I just don't think it's worth it. Again, uh, you know, you, you're trying to get your best players uh, on the field, getting the ball as much as possible. It just seems like an unnecessary risk, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, watch. We're a couple of days away now from both of those guys returning punts in the most <laughs> exciting game of the year. We're going to look Absolutely. silly for it. But, no, I, I'm with you, Dan, and it's going to be fun to watch that one unfold over the next couple of weeks to see if if they continue here. All right, we'll go to this one next. Jason Pierre-Paul had a great game on Sunday against the Browns, probably his most complete game that I've seen him play you know, since the injury, since his you know, accident he had a couple of July 4 ago. He was outstanding. Um, he's part of a Giants defense that continues to play well here. James, fact or fiction, Jason Pierre-Paul will be on the Giants in a Giants uniform again next season because he signed a one-year deal uh, during their spending spree last year to come back to the Giants so he can have free agency again. Factor fiction, JPP back again for 2017.
0: Oh jeez! You really back ended us here with the tough one um hmm right now, what is today december- uh november twenty ninth tuesday november twenty ninth I will say fact just because I think the giants look at this thing and he's been great, and j p p loves to be a giant and he wants to be here. I think the giants want him to be here i I'll say fact and remember the giants do have this the franchise tag in their back pocket. They probably would rather not use that, but they could use that again so all that being considered, I'll say fact, but, man, it is going to cost the Giants a ton of money. Because if you think about it, Olivier Vernon, obviously he got his money. And then you look Fletcher Cox and Mo Wilkerson, two guys who got big money in the offseason. Those guys are not doing anything for their team, so JPP is going to want more money than those guys. So... Yeah, it's, it's going to cost the Giants a pretty penny and it probably is going to mean that they're going to have to release some veterans on the roster and they're probably going to maybe have to move on from you – know, maybe they won't be able to bring Jonathan Hankins back even if they want to bring him back. So I'll say fact right now just because the Giants have the franchise tag at the end of the day, so they kind of hold the cards in that sense to make sure he's on the team in 2017, but it's going to cost them a lot.
1: And before you go, Dan, there's, I'm looking right now at the list of free agent, um, potential free agent defensive ends and, and, and edge rushers. There's not a great group, at least in terms of the defensive ends that I'm seeing in this list right now. Um, it, there's older guys, guys like Julius Peppers, I mean, guys that can still play a little bit. But I, I, off the top of my head right now, he'd probably be the number one defensive
2: edge rusher, pass rusher, whatever you want to call it, on the market. So your thoughts, will he be back next year? Yeah, this is a tough question. I thought you were going to say should he be back, which would have been a lot easier. I would have said fact to that. I, I agree that probably fact as far as bringing him back to though. I just I don't see how you can let him walk away. I mean, he has he kind of did the gamble this year on the one year deal, which was you know sort of team friendly because they got a you know a premier defensive end at sort of a discount to see what he could do, and he's exceeded any expectation I think that anyone could have maybe aside from himself because he's been pretty confident all along that you know he was capable of this, but. I mean, you just look at him compared to Vernon. He's one year older. He has a a longer track record of production, and he's got better numbers this year. So I don't see how you can say that Vernon is more valuable than JVP. I mean, they're 1A and 1B. They've both been great, and I think they really kind of propel this defense to a higher level, as we've seen during this winning streak. Uh, I don't think Vernon would be as good without JVP on the other side. Uh, So I just think I don't see how you can have these two pieces look at them both you know, young in their prime and say, we're not going to build around these two. I mean, pass rusher is probably the most important position in the league aside from quarterback. So uh, you have this in hand. I don't see what you're going to do. You're going to go let him go. If you're going to try and find another really strong defensive end, they're not going to come cheap either. You know what you have in this guy. As James said, he wants to be here. He's been a giant for his whole career. He's handled everything uh, tremendously with the hand. I think he's really shown some maturity this year. You see all the... Little videos they show, and he's the one you know. A lot of times, giving pep talks. I think he's pretty, you know, kind of grown into a you know leader in his own way. He's kind of a different guy, but I think he has a lot of respect in that locker room. And the fact that there's nobody on this roster, they they don't even trust guys to go in for a series at defensive end. So it's not like there's anybody waiting in the wings who's going to take over and and even give you a a smidgen of what Pierre Paul brings to the table. So uh, I think it's kind of a no brainer. It's going to probably hurt in the wallet, and like James said, probably going to be some casualties elsewhere. I just don't see how you can let the guy walk when he's playing like this.
1: I, I can't see that either. I mean, they've they've built their team on a pass rush again, and it's working, and the defense is working, and I feel like he's he's just too big of a part of it. And he's really good against the run. He always has been during his career. So I'm with you guys. I, I think he's he's going to be back, and they're going to have to pay a lot for him. All right, a couple more for you as we round down our factor fiction, and then we'll look forward to the Steelers game, and it'll be a big game on Sunday out in Pittsburgh. Factor fixes. I'm going to ask you guys on this one to almost take off your – And take away your journalist eyes or cap for a second and just think of this more as a football fan. Not not necessarily a Giants fan, but just a football fan who might be thinking about this question. So, James, fact or fiction, because I I thought of this because I saw your tweet about the Redskins, I think, in this vein last week. Fact or fiction, and they haven't been updated as of today, but this is from last week. The Giants are a good bet at 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Fact or fiction. I 30 to one 30 to one is where they sat on the last Vegas updated through balls, which I believe was the, the November 22nd. So just a couple of days ago.
0: Yeah, I think 31 is a pretty good bet. I mean, I think any team that's, I would say fact, I think, the I think the Redskins were like 40 to one mm-hmm. when I, when I tweeted this. I mean, that's a really good bet because I mean, I think the Redskins are a better team than the giants head to head, top to bottom. when You compare them. So, no, I think the Giants at thirty to one are a good bet. Um, if just for entertainment purposes, of course. I mean, obviously, everyone knows gambling is legal um, illegal in the United States, except for Las Vegas. But I would say fact. I think thirty to one for the Giants. are eight and three. They're probably going to make the playoffs as long as they don't completely collapse down the stretch. They do rush the passer. They they do have some explosive playmakers on offense. They don't have an explosive offense, but they do have playmakers you know they have a quarterback who's proven he can win on the road in the playoffs so i think yes fact 30 to 1 Giants super bowl good bet don't think it's a bet that's going to pay off in the end but it's a good bet
1: dan for you a good bet 30 to 1 giants to win the super bowl this season
2: yeah i agree i mean i'd want to kind of get on those odds before they uh if they get any lower it's probably going to be less of a good bet because i I don't think they're going to win the super bowl but i think it'd be worth rolling the dice i mean again, you look around this NFC, and we've kind of said it all year, there really isn't, a, you know, too many dominant teams. Obviously, Dallas is Dallas. Um, very interesting to see how they kind of close out here, though, because you know, they've had some close games, but I think it's you know, it's pretty clear that they're legit, but I, I don't think if you're the Giants, you'd be afraid of going to play Dallas and say an NFC championship game if, if it came to that. Yeah, uh, you know, I was thinking Seattle was rounding into form, and, and then they scored five points against the Bucks, so that, that kind of makes me rethink that, so uh, I'd say their odds are as good as any, and and uh, James said, you know, history's kind of on their side. I mean, I know there's, you know, not a lot of guys left from those Super Bowl teams, but there is something to be said for, you know, having Eli Manning and sort of the muscle memory of, of him finding a way to, to lead a team to the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying I would, uh, I would bet the house on it, but I think you can get 30 to 1, probably worth rolling the dice on that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. For all the issues the Giants have, when I saw those odds, I thought about it from the other direction, the way you set it up there, Dan, with the Cowboys and the Seahawks. And I was thinking, like, if I was one of the better teams in the NFC, which team would I least want to see come in and play me in in the playoffs? And It's probably the Giants, considering, like you said, Eli's pedigree and and their defensive line and all they could do. All right, one more, guys, on this, and then we'll look forward to this game against the Steelers. Uh, We had a question here from Twitter from one of our listeners, Paul, and he asked, how is Paul Perkins progressing? Any chance he gets more carries? So we'll turn this into a factor fiction. Factor fiction, James. Then we'll go to Dan on this. Paul Perkins' role will continue to increase as the as the season goes down the stretch into the end through December. Paul Perkins, factor fiction, more carries, more of a role into December. I'll say fiction. I think his role kind of stays where it is. You know,
0: he's a guy who he's had some big runs. He's also had some you know runs that are just kind of nondescript. And I think at the end of the day, they, it, Rashad Jennings they, is a much better pass protector in their minds. He's the guy they want out there you know, to protect Eli Manning. And I think he's also a guy who maybe, if they envision themselves being a heavy-handed football team, as Ben Matthews always says, he might be the guy they want to kind of have bruising in between the tackles down the stretch. So I'll say fiction. I, I don't think Perkins' role will decrease, but I don't think it's going to increase over the final five games.
1: Dan, factor fiction on Paul Perkins' role increasing.
2: Yeah, good thing we got kind of the the controversial questions out of the way early because now it's kind of we're just agreeing here. I, I agree with the, pretty much exactly how James said it. I think it's fiction, but I don't think it's because he's going to suddenly see a decrease. I think he just kind of is what he is right now. I mean, there might be a game where he has a few more carries uh, than Jennings, uh, but it seems like they've kind of settled into a nice two man rotation with those two guys. Obviously, Shane Vereen coming back, uh, which we all expect in the next you know two or three weeks probably. That's not going to help Perkins' cause because he. Uh, does probably, He's probably a little more redundant with Perkins than Jennings as far as kind of being a, a dynamic playmaker. One thing I will say, and uh, just watching the game back, Perkins had a great uh, blitz pickup. He, he basically drove the linebacker into the ground. Uh, I mean, it was one play really stood out. Uh, that's a good sign, though, because that's been kind of the question on him is, is pass protection, and I don't think he's going to become as advanced uh, in that regard as Jennings is, you know, overnight. But it was a nice thing to see for a guy who, you know, again, that's been the biggest question mark. I think he uh, is a little bit more dynamic than Jennings, but no one's really been t- doing a heck of a lot in this run game. So I can't see them totally shaking things up and all of a sudden Perkins is going to be the lead back down the stretch. Uh, you know, I think, like, you know, like I said from the get go, I think fiction, I think the role is pretty much going to stay the same.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, it, that's, that block was a great block. I remember the one you're talking about. So Perkins has done a good job, but yes, re reemergence soon if he comes back and he's healthy. Uh, we'll change things. All right, guys, let's look ahead. So we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday. Sunday, you guys will be in Pittsburgh for the game against the Steelers. One that I, I always look forward when these two teams play, You know, especially since the 0-4 draft because they play so infrequently. And Eli and Ben, I mean, to me, those guys will always be connected with that draft. And um, when they rarely get a chance to go head-to-head, it's always seemingly a fun game. So this one out in Pittsburgh, the Giants six in a row. The Steelers have been up and down. But they got a win on Thursday on Thanksgiving night, which means they get ten days rest before this matchup here. James, when you look at this Giants at Steelers, uh, what do you see going in this game, and, and what do you think about this matchup?
0: I think this is the week where the, the streak ends. I, I think it's this is you know this is a Pittsburgh team that really needs this win. They're at home, and I, and I look the Giants' defense has played very well over the last six games, but they give up a lot of big plays, and I just think that those big plays might come home to roost a little bit against Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Bryant, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it's just, I think it's a very, coming into the season, I thought this might be the Giants' toughest matchup of the season by far. I thought the Steelers were going to be maybe the best team in the NFL this year. That They really haven't been that. But I think they're a very formidable foe. And I think this is a, a tough game for the Giants. This is probably the place where they slip up. Maybe they, I don't know if they're going to ever admit to it, but they might be looking ahead just a little bit to December 11th and the Cowboys at home. So, I think this is where the streak ends. I think the Giants are competitive, but the Steelers win the game by you know, 10, 13 points, kind of decisively, and then the Giants move on to Dallas, and, that, and that's the big one.
1: Dan, before we get your thoughts on the game, I ran that simulator, the way you, uh, you set it up a few minutes ago when you said, you know, not sure if they win these next two and then lose out if they'd still make it. Um, if the Giants beat the Steelers and the Cowboys and then lose out, so go to 10-3 and three and then lose three in a row to finish at 10-6, and six, they make it in 88% of these scenarios. So they they could back in still with a pretty good chance. Just to, just they're in good idea. shape. <laughs> yeah, they're in really good shape here. But what do you think about this game against the Steelers?
2: Uh, again, I agree a lot with what James said. Uh, one thing I do disagree with, I have a hard time seeing this as sort of being a trap game. And we've kind of beat that to death these last two weeks. And, uh, you know, there's probably a little bit of truth to that, but they were able to survive against two bad teams. I think they'd be crazy if they're looking ahead because I think this is going to be a war, a battle, all those cliches because, A, that's just how Pittsburgh plays. And, and B, the, the hype is really going to grow with this December, uh, you know, football. And going to Pittsburgh, there's something about that. You know, it's going to be a 4.30 game, so it's going to be dark when the game's going on. It's going to be – I'm sure it's going to be cold. It's going to have that feel, I think, that after kind of just – you know, slogging through these last two games, they're going to be up for this game. I think this is going to be a great atmosphere. You know, the terrible tiles will be waving. Like you said, these teams don't play a lot, but it's going to kind of feel like an event, or at least that's, you know, the feeling I have going in. As you can tell, I'm a little more excited about this game than the last couple of games. I think it's really going to be, uh, you know, a fun game, exciting game. This is a team where I think, you know, going back to one of the earlier questions about the 30 points, I think the Steelers are probably the team I would pick that's most likely to put up, you know, 30-plus points uh, just because they've... know, that trio they have with Roethlisberger, uh, Bell, and Antonio Brown, I don't know if you can find a better one in the league. I mean, that's just such a dynamic uh, trio of playmakers. So uh, it's going to be a great challenge for the Giants. I mean, it's a game where, you know, they've won six in a row, playing with host money a little bit going on the road there. If they lose that game, uh, it's certainly not going to doom them. Um, And I I think that, you know, the streak will end. But I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Yeah, I'm with you guys. And,
1: and House Money, I agree with that, especially with the Cowboys coming up the next week. That's the one. If you know the Giants have any designs on winning the NFCs, that's the one they have to win. But they also have to win this one, right, if they want to keep up uh, and make that game against the Cowboys as meaningful as it can be. Guys, always appreciate um, your time and ability to do this show. And we'll catch up again next week. Enjoy the uh, trip to Pittsburgh and, uh, and enjoy the game. It should be a good one. James, appreciate it. You got it, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Dan.
2: Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Joe.
1: Thanks to all of you for listening to episode 74 of Talk is Cheap, our Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find ours. And make sure to leave a rating on iTunes. It helps the show grow. We'll be back next week.